This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And today, we're going to be going a little bit deeper into this year's freshman class. But first, Corey with the news. Yeah, and there actually isn't a lot of news to talk about. Uh, so I think we're going to bypass this one a little bit, head right to our player profiles. But I will just say, you know, we've got spring practices coming right around the corner. Uh, we're going to be getting updated weights, uh, see all the freshman buzz. Make sure you guys are checking out the YouTube for the Good Morning College Football hosted by Nicholas Ian Allen. He goes really deep into the news and a lot more intricate stuff that we don't necessarily go into here, uh, you know, for your G6, uh, your G6 teams as well. So make sure you guys are going checking out that every morning as well, because he, he's definitely giving you a, a deeper look at the news. Um, and make sure you guys head over over to the website at campuscan.com where you guys can become a member with one of our many subscription options, uh, some of which include access to our draft guide. Speaking of which, our supplemental and freshman guide is just around the corner. Uh, Pre-orders have already opened up for that one coming in early March. Um, You're going to get our one, our, you're also going to get our one-of-a-kind CFF projections for the season, our advanced metric tools you guys see all over Twitter, uh, the CGC winning edge. I think is going to keep you up to date on all the school depth charts, the returning production. I can't tell you guys how many times I go back and look just to see who's left, who's coming in. It's a, it's a one-stop hub for everything you need entering your draft season. So it's probably one of the best cheat sheets for you for your upcoming drafts uh, this year. So make sure you guys are checking out our family of podcasts and the YouTube channel to help guide you guys through the offseason. Well, I falsely advertise that Corey has some news for us, but, but I'll tell you what's not false advertising. We have a special guest tonight. It's Alfred, and I'm telling you, Alfred's looking pretty good tonight, but he would look a little bit better with some home field apparel. Guys, we got a promo code for you. Home field apparel is your shop for that retro vintage athletic gear from all your favorite universities. You can get University of Colorado field hockey shirts if you want. You can get University of Wisconsin Volleyball. If you know, you know. But anyway, University of Wisconsin Volleyball. You can get any type of athletic apparel for whatever sports you want. And we got a promo code for you with the promo code CAMPUS, the number two, and then Canton. You will get 15% off your first purchase. If you've already done that before, just make a fake email. We all know you were like 16 making room, like RuneScape accounts and like, you know, changing up <laughs> different, different stuff to get multiple accounts. We know how it goes. Uh, Corey, you ready to get into the player profiles this week? Let's do it. We're looking at a couple uh, uh, big-time wide receivers, I guess. Sort of big-time wide receivers here. I did, yeah. So we are starting off with Romo Dunze, and then we'll be talking about Keon Coleman. But Romo Dunze, six foot three, listed at 215 pounds. I'm not so sure I believe that he's 215 hmm. pounds. Um, but with 15 games played, guys, 15, that's the maximum number of games you can play this year. He had 1,639 yards, 13 touchdowns. I just got to say that because people online are like posting like he he put up this many yards in one season. It's like, yeah, he did that because he played three extra games. But You can just call out Kratos by name. It's okay. He had a great season, though. He really did. I don't know if I believe how – I can't wait to see what his athletic testing is like. I'm not really – I don't think he's a plus athlete, but i also not saying that he's a dud either. I – Here's what I struggle with, Corey, is that I think he's good. I, I think he's really good. I just don't think he's like belongs in conversations with Malik Neighbors or Marvin Harrison. I think he's a very clear number three in this class. Uh, I don't really agree with him being in like mock drafts and being inside the top 10 of mock drafts. I don't think he's that much of a difference maker for a team to take him that early. 
especially teams down there usually have much bigger issues than the wide receiver room. So um, anyway, goes to Washington, won the national, not win the national championship this year. But I, I studied a lot of his film as of today, like a lot of his film. I, I asked Corey to put this off because I wanted to actually get a little bit more in-depth look on like schemes and stuff that they run. I actually came away maybe a little bit more impressed than I thought. I do think he has good, really good footwork, but for like for his size, like I don't think I could call him a route runner or a separator. But as far as like other guys that are six foot three plus, like that architect just of six foot three plus, I do think his footwork's actually pretty, pretty good. Like really good. So and he has some really phenomenal hands. That's what his number one trait is to me, is his just receiver play, his overall ball skills. And I've been talking too long, so I want to throw it to Corey a little bit. Corey, what do you think about Roman Dunze? Yeah, Rome has been a little a little bit polarizing for me throughout his career, at least. You know, a guy who never really put it together until um, DeBoer and Michael Penix came over. It kind of unlocked that skill set a little bit. Like, entering the season, I, I had said it before, like one of the biggest areas I wanted to see him improve at was at the catch point. And, and looking back, like, I can definitely put uh, a little bit of blame on, on Penix for some ball placement issues. Um, it wasn't giving Rome great chances to win above the rim. But then, like, you look at this year, like, he exceeded my expectations in that regard. Might have been the best college wide receiver above the rim this year in general, I think. Like, yeah. drop rate of only 3.9%, absurd 70% catch rate on 24 contested targets. So it's not even, like, a small sample size either. Like, he's he's consistently winning above the rim and looking great doing it. extension outside his frame, uh, concentration, his elevation, a really springy player with really good hands. Um, I do think he's a pretty fluid mover, but I agree with you. I'm not sure if I believe like the 4.3 times that are kind of floating around out there. He does have a 10.67 hundred meter personal best time, which should translate to a pretty good 40 number regardless, I think. But um, the more I watch him, I feel like he kind of, he, he kind of wins that way with, with, with speed and with overpowering and, and uh, a little bit of footwork and stuff like that. But sometimes I feel like there isn't a ton of nuance there. Like, I think yeah. we kind of saw it in the national championship game where it felt like Michigan's defensive backs were like step for step with him a lot of the time, like without a ton of separation. And that made me want to dive deeper a little bit. Like, I don't think there's a, there's a ton of release moves there. I don't think there's a big release package there. Generally just like trying to win with speed off the line and strength off the line. I think sometimes he can lack manipulation, like just trying to, kind of trying to sell a different route when he's running a, a different specific route, which I think was one of the reasons those Michigan defensive backs stuck with him so well. Uh, I think like, I think I'm being a little bit nitpicky overall. Like I think you've talked about, he has very translatable traits. I'm just trying to show some of the downside. My comparison has always been Cortland Sutton. And, you know, I, again, I can't believe people think that's a bad, com uh, bad comparison. Like Cortland Sutton was like a 96 percentile uh, athlete in the three cone, 91 percentile athlete in the 60 yard shuttle, 6'3", 280 pounds. Like that would be very great for Romo dudes to test that way. Uh, like Sutton might not be as dominant at the catch point, but he does make some crazy catches and, um, you know, I, I think Odunze probably has a little more juice at the top end, better like better hands overall. But I could, I could just see them playing a similar role in the NFL level. And again, Sutton like dealing with bad quarterback play, dealing with injuries himself, he might have been something more than 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 what he was been able to show at the NFL level. But I think they could kind of share similar roles. I picture Odunze as that X type wide receiver at the next level. Um, definitely like a top, I'm going to say top four-ish wide receiver for me. I'm finalizing my film grains. I want to see how it all comes together. I've had him at mm -hmm. wide receiver three for this entire time, but I just wonder if there's room there for me to drop a look. Cause I, I do think that, I don't know, there's a little bit of a lack of nuance there. The, the deeper I looked. Yeah. It's um, I watched like in depth, like multiple times, the Oregon game and the uh, game against uh, Michigan. Like, cause mm -hmm. I want to see him play against good corners there. I think Kyrie Jackson was the one that was in coverage against him in Oregon. The guy was wearing number 11, but they don't have a number 11 on defense. So I was pretty confused about that. The only number 11 <laughs> on that team is Troy Franklin. Um, 
So I couldn't find anything on that. And that was very frustrating. But judging by like the stance, because I got to watch Carvey Jackson at the senior bowl, judging by the the start off stance, he has like a very distinctive like he's six foot three as a corner, but this guy likes to like bend almost all the way over, just let his arms hang loose straight down too. Anyway, so I think it was Kyrie that was in coverage. Um, who I think is probably a day two, day three turn type of corner. But he was anyway, I think Rome doesn't separate as well as people think he does. Like he was kind of on him like glue, but he was still like very productive against Oregon and same against Michigan too. I remember against Michigan, it was like maybe one or two busted coverage plays that were big producers for him. Yeah. Yeah. Then his usual, like just great ball tracking, great hands, but like the DB is in the right spot and like just didn't make the play. So it's, it's not like he gets this insane separation. It's really like, He's a good mover, and then his superb ball skills are what kind of dig him out of a hole or like make up for whatever lack of separation he has. As long as the ball is put in the right spot, like it's automatic for him that like he's going to get it. Yeah. So, um, and then along with that type of statement, like it kind of scares me because it's like, all right, well, then he needs to go to an accurate quarterback, the NFL level. Yeah. So, um, He's still number three for me, but like as far as like if I was ranking players, like I'd be like, yeah, Marvin Harrison's a tier zero wide receiver. Marvin Malik Neighbors is probably like a tier one plus, and then I think like Rome is just a regular tier one. It's just weird for me to, to, you know, I'm saying it makes it it makes me feel like I'm missing something because everybody seems to love him so much. Like even um, reception perception, like like freaking love the hell out of him, Uh, uh, and like everybody's got him like as a top ten pick in like this draft, like uh, across the board on like mock drafts, like Daniel Jeremiah and and Dane Brugler and stuff like that. So it feels like I'm missing something. Maybe it's just you know a lot being put on the traits and like how that can translate to the next level and maybe that's what people are yeah. so excited about but yeah i do think i do think there's a little bit of, of raw ability there i do but like at speaking to his footwork though that are a little bit fast i do see like some manipulation attempts and some stuff but also like a lot of the schemes that washington does they do a lot of like receivers crossing each other in the middle of the field to like you mm-hmm. know get off dbs off their backs and it's just like you know, it's cheeky and it works and like that's good and all, but it doesn't really mean I give a point to the to the wide receiver for doing that. That's more of a scheme thing than the wide receiver skill. So Yeah. Um, I say that about like like this offense and like Tennessee's offense, you know, the, the same thing that Hypo runs over there. Like they make your defense stay on its toes. And it's not exactly that you need to be awesome, but you gotta be able to like switch off at the right time when you're passing guys by who are playing zone, or you gotta make sure you're not running into guys or whatever. They just make yeah. you be on your toes and they're gonna do simple stuff like that, you know, even just a quick motion or crossing guys across the field to make you stay on your toes. And if you don't, then you're gonna end up with like a busted coverage or something and guys get wide open, which happens more often than you'd believe in college. That was it. That was it. Yeah. And I just don't think he's the difference maker to be taken that high in drafts. Like, you know, I'm thinking about like Chris Olave was like, you know, the what the, the 12th overall pick or the 10th overall pick. Like, I don't yeah. think a better prospect than Chris Olave or some of the guys from that class. I still think he's a mid first. I think he's a mid first, but I don't I don't yeah. think he don't think he'll like fall outside of like, let's say like the 16. Like he's still in the front half. I just think he's in the back side of that half. Um, all right, I think we kind of beat that one to a pulp. We're good to move on. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Keon Coleman, um, Michigan State transferred over to Florida State has really kind of suffered on the stat sheet because he went from what 800 yards last year, kind of his breakout as a sophomore campaign, 800 yards, seven touchdowns, came on super strong for the second half of the year, and then this year. 658 yards and 11 touchdowns only one actually only two games over 100 yards and i think if you even extended to 80 yards there's only three games over 80 yards everything else is below 70 like he just couldn't get it going yeah 
Um, so my issue, and I keep saying this, and now that I got to watch it, I feel super confident in this. I don't like his start-stop ability, like his whole like, and I don't like him sitting in zone. I don't think he has any like real spatial awareness in zone. Um, he's really bad at standing still and letting the ball come to him. That's why I don't like him doing like standing in zone. Like I want this guy like constantly running routes, but I do think his routes are like good. Like, I think he's really good when he's like, you know, he's actively moving. I just don't think he's somebody that you want to just stop. Yeah. And I messaged you a couple of times uh, to the side, like just saying like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of us for staying strong on Kim. Everybody was falling all over themselves over those sports that are highlights, like early in the season when they had their, yeah, their big games L- or whatever. Yeah, like, like we weren't fully bought in yet. Like, you I mean go to our earlier shows the receipts are there but i i, I think that that's kind of coming full circle now where like everyone seems to be kind of low on him and like he's coming at like a pretty decent price if you want to buy into that and i mean a rise in rankings was definitely warranted for him uh, definitely a better mover than i gave him credit for i just thought he was like a stiff bully ball type when i saw him at michigan state uh but coming over here i i thought there was some surprising juice on his screen stuff this year um but i do think that like he's going to profile like a bully ball type of the next level he's going to be like in the reign of of a mike williams or like I don't know if he even has this type of speed, like a Mike Evans comp or, you know, the one that I wrote. Like a the T. Most... Higgins. Like, you think like a T. Yeah, Higgins? like maybe, maybe something okay. like that. I mean, one of the comps I wrote with is Devontae Parker, which kind of feels a little bit mean, but he was a guy who was very fluid in his career. First round pick, 4.45 at the combine. Like, I just think they have very similar play styles and play strengths. Parker, one of the best contested catch guys in the NFL for like a season there. I remember you always telling me. So he, he, the, the inconsistency in his profile is one thing that really stands up stands out to me um you know i think during the the last six games of the season he didn't go over like 55 yards like except for like in one game or something like that and then even like for a guy that you're picturing as a contested catch guy 33 percent contested catch rate on 30 targets is not what you're hoping to see Bro, i'm telling from, you he from can't, player you like don't that. want him to stand still like they just pass break up on him he doesn't know oh how to, man like, I, I think i will say that i think some of that is jordan travis's fault i don't think he's the best yes. quarterback for his skill set a lot Fair. of underthrown pauls a lot of a lot of late passes where keon where he could have hit keon in stride like maybe he won earlier in the route but then keon had to try to make a comeback for sit down a a little bit wait for the ball to get to him like things like that where i don't think like he he would almost be better being set up with like a uh, someone who is a little bit more accurate so that's something that you could watch in this profile for where he goes what kind of quarterback he's going to end up with because if it's a guy who's a little bit wild with his accuracy or or late on throws or whatever like if he goes to will levis over in the in tennessee titans you can kiss this guy goodbye because i don't think he's going to hit him in stride perfectly very fine so you know that coupled with the disappearing acts um, you know, I think there's elements to his game that are a little bit of a dying breed in the NFL. And like, you know, and like at best, I think, I think at best you're hoping for a Mike Williams type who still has his own inconsistencies at the next level. I mean, injuries have been a part of that, but still, even when he's healthy, he's still fairly inconsistent. So I think there's a, a place for this type of wide receiver at the next level. And, you know, if I were to put a, a price on him, like, well, like rookie draft pick, I still think he's worthy of a second round pick. I just, I have my concerns personally. I, I, I think that in most okay. cases I'm going to avoid unless he becomes like a value at some point. I've actually kind of come around a little bit on him. Yeah. And I kind of, I, I, I have, when I was watching him, I was like, this is a lot of Jordan Travis throwing the ball late and not throwing him as soon as he's opening his break. Yeah. Um, And then also there's a very obvious, like some of his deep stuff, like he gets open for, but Jordan Travis is just not keeping his eyes downfield. He's too worried about surviving the pocket. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I do think Jordan Travis is a big problem. I, I've actually kind of come around on this, Corey. I think he's my wide receiver seven, and I still think he's worth like an NFL like second round pick. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm trying to like roll down in my head. Like wide receiver seven for me, I'd probably take the top four quarterbacks in front of him. I'd probably take the top two, maybe one tight ends in front of him, and I'd probably take the top one or two running backs in front of him. Yeah. Put him like what, mid-second, mid-second-ish? I think that sounds fair, yeah. 
Yeah. So probably for me, early second to mid second is probably where I tar- target him. All right, guys, before we get into our deeper freshman show, I'm going to, have to go back one episode here. I just want to do like a brief, a very brief just recap of last week. Talked about our top QBs. That's DJ Lagway, Dylan Rayola, and then like tier two for us, like Julian Sane. And that was kind of like a little kind of tier break for us. And then uh, Corey talked about Kromanoic, and I talked about Miles O'Neill. And on the running back side, a little bit brisk. We really weren't too hyped about the guys on the top end, but we did talk Quentin Martin and like Cameron Davis and Nate Frazier. On the wide receiver side, we really hit the top 20. And that's kind of like the bar we set for this week where we kind of like drew a line saying that we're talking guys outside of the top 20. Now, for your C2C folks who are listening to this, that's not deep for you. You probably want to go deeper. But as your traditional Debbie crowd, usually they just kind of look at the top 20 guys on, on 24-7 sports. So this is probably as far as we go. Well, not that. Well, we're, we're going to go deep today. We're going to go deep today. Because we brought in a special guest who has been quiet for us this entire time. Thank you so much, Alfred. You have such great table manners. <laughs> <laughs> we bring in the founder, the man of the recruiting team. We love his show, The Official. Uh, I just checked my rankings, Alfred. I moved you up a little bit. I got you at the top of my tier three for my founder's rankings. <laughs> Dang, there's only like six of us. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there's only one tier one. It's got to be Jarek. He's 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 the only tier one, all right. Oh, I mean, there's no question. Although I will say, I was instrumental in bringing Jarek on. So. Yeah. Let, me, let me just adjust that the that cap, That's all. I mean, but yeah, I would say Jarek tier one. No questions asked. I, I was I about mean, to say your most now. elite trait is the fact that you're so humble. But now you mm. go and tout yourself for bringing in Jarek. Room okay. Yeah, it's kind of. I can't say it now. Yeah. <laughs> Alfred, you you guys are working on a pretty big project now, right now, right for the recruiting team um yeah we're always working on a big project however i guess this one's a a little bit more tangible with a definite end date uh which is the freshman guide uh coming out i believe march 1st so yeah we're wrapping up evals gonna get it to the the guys who are actually doing the publishing putting it actually together um we should have targeting i think over 150 uh incoming freshmen as well as about 30 what we're calling supplemental uh, players that are very likely unrostered in a C2C league. So you could pick them up during your freshman draft um, if they're unrostered. So these are deep shots on guys who are already on college teams, but most of it is a freshman guide. Yeah. And that should be coming out uh, in the next few weeks. It's one of the greatest assets too. It definitely got me into doing some freshman rankings. I did pretty, I was pretty pumped. Got the guy, did my own little scouting. I think I nailed like nine of my top 12 like wide receivers after that guy dropped. And then this year I did it without the guy. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was, I'm a little in my bag. I did pretty bad on my, on my <laughs> rookie rankings by myself without that asset. So I'm pretty pumped about the guy this year and let's get into it, dude. Let's get into it. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I know Matt did a lot of the modeling. I know you guys are all going to help out with this. I wanted to ask if you could like tell us any type of data that you think correlates going from high school into college or into the pros type of thing. Yeah, this is a great question. And, and you know, Matt, um, if he's going to listen to this, might might have some issues with, with what I'm about to say. Um, <laughs> well, and the fact is, we, we dabbled a lot with a, with a true model for the first couple of years. And you put, put in a lot of different metrics, a lot of different inputs. Uh, and the, I mean, to be honest, like, I don't, I don't think we ever got the R squared, which is like that correlating value 
I want to say we didn't really ever get it over 0.2, max. And I mean, for true predictability, you want something that's like 0.7, 0.8 in most, you know, industries, most contexts, you want correlate the hour squared to be a lot higher than that. I mean, yes, 0.2 or 3 is better than a shot in the dark, maybe, but it's not projecting much. So I think we kind of said, look, this model is helping inform what might be more important than other things. But I don't think we ever really latched onto it as like, this is definitely a projectable thing. And that's just because this is a very hard game. Look at 247, look at on three. And, you know, if you look at, I don't know, maybe it was two years ago, the top 10 wide receivers on 247, like five of them were year one zeros. That's, that is the, that is the best in the industry had a 50% of year one zeros in their top 10. I mean, it's just a very hard game. So, but I will say to answer your question, like we have had a few things that we have gravitated towards and it's not a one size fits all Uh, for wide receiver, similar to honestly, what we want to see in college is young production. Uh, We've been tracking national signing day age. Uh, We want to see guys who are very young on National Signing Day. You know, sub 18 years of age is really where you start getting into kind of that elite youth. We like to see high school production. This is such a, like, this is not going to surprise anyone, but you want to go see how are they producing in high school. Don't just look at the highlight tape. Don't just look at the, some guys are ranked high and you go to their receiving production and they were the second on their own team in receiving. You know, these guys aren't even producing, but, you know, maybe they look good on the camp circuit. That, to me, is a big red flag. So high school production, running back, max mile per hour, and weight. I think those are the easiest. Running back's easy to me. Are they big? Are they fast? Period. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Uh, And then I'll just say QB, same as we like in college. Completion percentage, yards per attempt matters to me. And tight end is kind of everything. Big, fast, and strong. Like, it's not that hard. Sometimes it's easier than we make it out to be sometimes. Yeah, and we don't even really need the production for the tight. At least that's what that's what it seems like. Once I get to the NFL level, it's like we find guys who have like no production at all that make waves in the NFL. So I mean, it's really about like those those raw traits with these guys. Yeah, yeah, and, and tight end like offensive scheme and play calling is going to do a lot. I mean, they're they're, yeah. they're not used in the same way at the high school level as they will in college and, and NFL. And you mentioned the R square was like 0.2, but I don't know, like on like the, the dynasty crowds all over Twitter, it's all about charts nowadays. Like I don't think there are square. It's like over 0.4 Alfred. So I think like 0.2 is like, it's not all end all be all, but like, I think that's something to still be proud of. And like, you'll look at it and be like, oh yeah, you know, it helps a little bit. Matt and David did so much work too. And, and they were trying, we were trying so hard. I mean, every, every day we were putting in new inputs and, and at some point it was like, we almost had too many inputs. Like it was just, couldn't even tell what was mattering. Um, maybe they've tweaked it since then. I don't feel like we've really used it too much lately. Um, but that's, that goes back to the dynasty thing too, is like, even in dynasty NFL projecting rookies, I think I got really into the charts. I got really into R squared for a while. And then you realize like, it's the best we're going to get to. But the fact is, this is just not something you can really control for and get like a, like a clear projection. I mean, there is nuance and there is like feel to it, you know? You can't just yeah. put it in a number, which five years ago, I would have listened to this podcast and be like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You can absolutely <laughs> analyze, analyticize something uh, to infinity, but I'm kind of against, or I don't think that's like the answer now necessarily. And to speak to like all the variables they put in, I remember going to the chat one day and I was looking at, you know, I'm a Kentucky fan. I went to Kentucky, played for Kentucky. 
And I was looking at Tovani Mizell, running back. He's like an RB. He's he's a three star RB forty in the composite, but he's six foot two ten, and he had all these athletic testing. And I'm like, and his offers were like Michigan, Alabama, Georgia. Yeah. It had an amazing offer grill, and I was like, hey guys, what's going on? Why do you pick Kentucky <laughs> like over this stuff? And then um, I think David was the one that sent uh, like his workout posts on Twitter, Instagram, and he's like tracking that stuff. He's like, he's a workout warrior. You see it right here. He posts 6,000 times about his workouts. And I was like, that's ridiculous. You got to look at these different angles. So it's, it's really always entertaining to see what you guys are cooking over there. But, oh, yeah. And David, David's a big time social media. I don't, he's not like a poster, but he'll, he'll scour social media to find dunks and other up close views of these players because, you know, the, the grainy highlight tape doesn't really show you a lot. Sometimes guys have the requisite size, speed. Uh, stats like everything looks great film looks great and then they like totally bust and you're just like what the hell and then you know you find out later you know maybe there was a little head case going on you know or there were some red flags just from like attitude maybe they transferred three times in four years like we haven't said that's a definite issue but that is something we consider we try to think of all these outside the box because we have so little information you know realistically especially when you're comparing to like nfl rookies when you're comparing to NFL players over time, you get so much information. And when you're talking about, you'll sometimes you don't even know they had an injury. Mm. You don't get the information that you even get in college. And even that pales in comparison to like NFL information. So we can only do the best we can. David, Dave and Matt try to do the absolute best getting every, every nugget that we can have. You guys are <laughs> essentially trying to scout the intangibles which is like one of the most unscoutable things you can scout but you're trying to find whatever pieces you can that'll lead us to the intangibles and i'll just say it again i just want to echo i've said this a couple times about you guys all the work that you guys do um you make it easier for us to be more aggressive with freshmen and people always come up to us and say oh you guys are so aggressive with your freshman rankings but it's because of like the database that you guys have supplied for us that we can feel pretty confident about the evaluation that we're having and i think that's a lot of why a lot of the time you see us you know maybe a little bit more hot on a lot of these freshmen but it's because of the work you guys are doing behind the scenes all right let's get into it guys let's get into the quarterback group to start off here i told them not to pick anyone in the top 10 and just to give you guys some context there qb 10 and this year's class kind of ends up as like a mid four star so uh alfred you want to lead us off here with your your deeper qb name yeah i'll pick a guy i actually thought you said not in the top 20 but it still works because oh. he's actually in in my and this is gonna be bold but like i think he's like in my top seven or something and he's way down i think in the composite like around 30 but it's samaj jones um he's coming out of philly st joseph's prep school pretty good school i think kyle mccord went there he finished second to kyle mccord in career yards i just wrote him up the other day took another close look looked at his senior film again um and this guy is interesting because all the recruiting process he's listed like 511 220 so a little bowling ball uh, obviously that's fairly short for a QB, but then he gets to Cincinnati. He's now listed at six, one to 18. So did he grow two inches? Was the, were, you know, were the recruiting services lagging behind or is he really five eleven and they just bumped him? I don't know, but if he's even six feet, a little over six feet that I feel like that's a, a big time, you know, as silly as it is one or one and a half inches could be a big thing in terms of his Debbie potential. Now, in terms of what you see on the field, I think this guy has a, a nice arm. I think his max velocity is about 50 miles an hour, which is what you want. That's the kind of that minimum threshold of like next level arm talent in terms of at least velocity. The highest in the class of 57, you don't really want to go below 50. So he's right on that cusp, but good enough. 
Um, shows a lot of different layering of throws. Uh, he can zip it in there. He can feather it. He can bomb it with a you know big arc. Uh, and then at the end of the day, rushing potential. I'm always going to gravitate to the rushing QBs. Um, I will put it on my tombstone. I don't care. For fantasy, give me a rushing QB over, you know, the next Peyton Manning, honestly, anytime. Because the next Peyton Manning is such a fragile profile. If they don't, if they're not that freaking good, they're not going to be really fantasy relevant. So I want the rushing floor. And then if they're good, they're a QB one. So I like Samaj Jones a lot. He's going to Cincinnati. I don't think they have an incumbent there who's really impressive. Um, some people like Brady Dragosh from last year. I never liked him that much. He's probably the guy who's going to start. But I think Samaj Jones has really interesting athletic potential. He might be used in some packages. We'll see how what he looks like on campus. And then, you know, a couple of years from now, maybe it's a transfer, maybe Dragosh transfers, whatever. But I think the talent is pretty interesting with Jones. Um, but if he's like over six feet, I think that becomes interesting from a potential Debbie. Now, I'm not saying, you know, draft him this year, but that he'd be, you know, at least that minimum height for a quarterback is met. Hey, we're shooting from deep this episode. So, <laughs> Always, maybe. And there's a lot of guys excited about some smaller guys right now, like Castellanos. I mean, I'm no Fafita. I mean, I'm not, I'm not super excited about those guys, but they are on the smaller end. Maybe Bryce Young is kind of opening some eyes too, like some, some of the smaller ended. They don't have a, a great track record, that's for sure. Mobility <laughs> is the name of the game nowadays, too, in the yeah. NFL. It's hard yeah. to find a stat. I mean, I was way in on Castellanos as a freshman as well because he's short and he's thin. Like, at least Jones is like 220. Yeah, Jones. stout. Yeah. Go for ahead, him with you. yours, who also, just for all the listeners out here, they, uh, Matt, who couldn't join us, is also a very big fan. So I'm sure Matt's pumping his fist as soon as he hears his name. Yeah, and I can't say I've done like super extensive scouting here, but I'm going with a guy that I think could possibly uh, will Levis his way to some some fantasy relevance or and some Debbie relevance, and that's Tyler Cherry going to Indiana. Um, you know, some I've seen him listed at six four two twenty. I've seen him listed at six five two hundred five. I'm not entirely sure where it actually is, but either way, uh, just a big kid. Easy, easy arm strength. I mean, this is a guy who can throw off his back foot. Um, he can toss it flat-footed. Um, he really does kind of rely on it a little bit much. Like, it's kind of like DJU-ish. But, you know, the ball just, like, flies out of his hand. Um, and really, the massive jump that I saw from him going from junior year to senior year, um, you know, see, uh, junior year, uh, 2,600 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, uh, 65% completion percentage. Senior year went all the way up to 3,100 yards, 34 touchdowns, 71% completion percentage. And that's what we want, we want to see. And then I just want to be more aggressive with the ball. You know, I thought I saw tighter window throws. Uh, he pushed down the field a little more. And it's those NFL type throws that that really only those big, strong armed quarterbacks can do. Like, his tape is littered with these opposite hash throws that sometimes are, are ill-advised, I would say, but he gets away with it because of the arm strength. That's why I kind of say Will Levis a little bit because he got away with a lot, you know, be, being late on his reads and stuff like that because he had that big arm. And, you know, as a guy, I, I thought his lower half mechanics weren't bad. You know, he kind of steps into his throws. He does. He gets away with, like, a very, very loopy throwing motion, like drops it a bit, a sidearm angles. And, and that's good and all. Like, that, like that's kind of trendy in, like, the NFL but you just have to see how much he can get away with that stuff at the next level, or is it just like too far gone? You know, like DJ, you we've been harping on forever because of those mechanics. Like, can he keep getting away with it? Um, he's not a rushing threat. And like Alfred was just saying, if you don't have that rushing threat, you're going to have to be damn good as a quarterback to, to really have some fantasy relevance at the, at the next level. But, you know, I, I like a lot of the tools that are there. He's going to be joining Indiana who is bringing in Curtis Rourke this year, the Maple Missile. Um, 
but he he's going to be gone after this year. So he'll, he'll have an opportunity to com- to compete as soon as next year. They have Taven Jackson there who ironically actually played high school ball with Cherry, I, I believe. Um, but, you know, uh, Indiana brings in head coach Kurt Signetti. He's his hand-picked guy this year. Uh, we've seen what Signetti has done with quarterbacks. Todd Tenteo, uh, jo- Jordan McLeod uh, last year. Um, you know, uh, over his four stint, four-year stint at uh, James Madison, um, his quarterbacks have averaged just over 3,300 passing yards and 32 touchdowns a year. So he gets production out of these guys. And, yeah, you know, his path might have to be Will Levis, where his arm is kind of, you know, going to have to bail him out. But he does have an up the downside to a guy like – like. Um, like Mike's favorite guy, Athlon Calic Manis, who went to Minnesota last year, another big arm guy who never really could put it all together. So there is that downside of him being a little bit sloppy. He's going to have to keep refining at the next level, but he's just a guy with NFL tools. I think that that could put it together at some point. Well, Alfred, I know is an avid listener of the show, but Alfred, I need you to know that I am not an Athlon Calic Manis fan. That was sarcasm. <laughs> I, need you to, I just need you. To... He's, hashtag, he's hashtag bad. I mean, he's yeah. Bad. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were saying that last year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. One thing you can't, you almost embarrass me in front of the founder. Like, that's our <laughs> boss, dude. Uh, um, going to my guy, though, uh, happens to be replacing Athlon Calic Manis here in Minnesota. And I'm actually going with Drake <laughs> Lindsay here. He's like QB 53 in the composite here. He's not quite a statue when you watch the film. But then I was curious about like the actual numbers. Yeah. They got him for 49 carries for 64 yards, and his longest run was 41 yards. So I don't know how that works out, but he he looked like he was a very good max prep for negative. Oh, okay. Well, good to know. Um, I do think he's actually a very solid pocket navigator. He like handles pressure very well, keeps his eyes up. He's always looking downfield. I think he's an excellent pro- like processor. So. Not a true dual threat, but Drake Lindsay's last year stats are pretty gaudy. So uh, almost 400 attempts, but, you know, a 70% completion for 3,916 yards, 52 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Now, this is all against Arkansas uh, defenses here. So, you know, he still faced the same pressure as anybody else does. He certainly showed a lot of that. But most of his balls were all, like, nice ball placement, long balls. I didn't get to see a lot of those, like, zinger tight window type throws or anticipatory throws that was just him kind of like processing very well seeing the guy get open and just putting in the launch codes and it was always perfectly in the bread basket like i love that a lot so minnesota does have a very solid offensive line now they're usually a run first team i mean they should be i'm not trying to say they're they, they probably should switch it up because i don't know who they're throwing to over there anymore but I think this could probably be the best quarterback Minnesota's maybe ever had. And that's just the competition for that title is Tanner Morgan. It's not, it's not a tough competition, but I think Drake Lindsay is a very underrated pocket passer. And we just talked about how the NFL is kind of moving away from that. So, so this is a Debbie show. So it's not exactly pretty, pretty, pretty big endorsement, but I, I think he's a, a big boy, big arm NFL build already. Um, and I don't even know who they have there. So I think opportunity should be pretty, pretty easy there. I'm I'm not off the top of my head. I don't know. They had to bring in a transfer, right? I mean, they had to have. Yeah, they had to. The start of the bowl game was a guy they had to basically bring out of college retirement. I hope they had brought in a transfer because, like, I do not know what the hell is going on in the Minnesota depth chart for quarterback. Yeah, I just I rarely gonna gravitate to the big pocket passers. They can hit for sure. Um, they just have. They're just. I don't know. It's a fragile profile to me. 
All right, let's get on to the the wide receivers here. Just we only did one quarterback. It's kind of a little bit tough out there, especially with the transfer portal and the COVID era. But we actually are getting rid of the COVID dudes. I'm very excited about that. By the way, I hope we get to see more yeah. just across the whole board of more younger guys getting the opportunity. Because dude, get these six year bums out dude, of here. Like, that has lingered for way longer than I ever thought it would. I mean, holy crap! Yeah, yeah. Please get rid of the COVID year. Alfred mentioned it earlier, but. We got the year one zero three. It's been proven to be pretty good at like telling us who the duds are. Um, so just kind of going through it, the only guys that have beaten the year one zero three, and we do have a new entry this year since two thousand five, I believe the data goes back to, is DK Metcalf, Jarvis Landry, Tyree Kill, and Nico Collins. Now, mm, um, but Nico. here are the categories though. You just need to hit one of these categories to beat the year one zero theory, and it's going to be ten receptions. 100 receiving yards, five rushing attempts, 15 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, 10 scrimmage touches, 115 scrimmage yards, and five punt slash kick returns. Uh, so as long as you hit one of those metrics, you beat the year one zero mold and your chances of being relevant in the NFL go higher. Uh, now, it's not like a much higher. It's more of a you have really low odds if you don't hit this. So it's more of a, a dud kind of meter here, but... DK Metcalf didn't hit it because, well, he was just a raw athlete. Even going to the NFL, he was a super raw athlete. So he never touched the field, had some better guys in front of him. Jarvis Landry went to LSU, very busy depth chart in front of him. Couldn't get on the field because I think I think he had three first-rounders in front of him, something like that. Tyree Kill was kind of a – Total anomaly on all levels. Yeah, head case, in and out, went to Juco, came back. All that type of stuff. Also, this is a running back, I believe. So originally, so he was just totally yeah. <clears throat> and we had our worst year this past year with only thirteen of the freshmen beating the year one zero threshold. That was our worst one to date before, like the COVID year. You used to see about like twenty twenty five dudes beat that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but, yeah, but there's so many. And it's like, it's not only it's not only the COVID year either. I mean, the way the transfer portal's going now, yeah. the way NIL's going now, there's more convincing reasons for these seniors yeah. to stay and go somewhere else. And I, I think that will affect it a little bit as as we go on here. All right, so this next portion, though, we're going outside the top 20 wide receivers, but we're staying within the top 300 because year one zero theory only applies to the top 300 recruits. And uh, I just want to recap some hits from last year in this category. So, like, pretty much it's basically from, like, wide receiver 20 to 50-ish. And last year was really just Eugene Wilson and Jaden Greyhouse. Like, those were the big ones. And you also got Amarian Miller, Mikey Matthews, and Rico Flores. And we're not really excited about those last three. I tried to initially ask for five, and I kind of had a hard time picking five. So I think we actually limited down to like about four. But Alfred, you want to start us off with a name? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go with okay. Easily, my one of my absolute favorites, and you know Matt, who we talked about before on the show, it was the guy who brought him to my attention, and then I kind of like, like Matt was like, I think this guy's kind of good, very low rated, and I was like. No, he's the best receiver in the country. <laughs> ran with it. All of a sudden, I like became the guy on Kyneberry Johnson, who is definitely a three-star, ranked pretty low, um, headed to Wisconsin, probably realistically profiles as a slot receiver uh, based on size. However, I do think he shows some like ability to win on the outside, win uh, aggressively, you know, catches balls with his hands out in front of him. Like he's not just a guy who go find a zone and, and get open in space. I mean, I think he can win. He is 
Really phenomenal. I mean, honestly, like what is keeping him down the recruit? I mean, you don't have to make him wide receiver one in the country, but like he is buried behind guys who are not good. Uh, he was, his, his, his production is great. His ball skills are great. Um, he's, he's lightning fast. I think he's got good enough long speed over 20 miles per hour, which is really fine, but seems to be lightning short area quickness, really good route running skills in my opinion. And to top it all off, another reason I really love him is because Wisconsin has Phil Longo as their offensive coordinator. We've seen slot receivers go ham in the Longo offense. In fact, last year, Will Pauling from Cincinnati transfer into Wisconsin, led their team. Uh, I think he's a slot guy. I'm pretty positive he's a slot guy. And he led their team in receiving like almost twice as many receptions as the next closest guy. Overall line wasn't that great. I think 700 yards, six touchdowns. But as they overturn the Wisconsin roster, which, if you remember, is not typically a pass-first offense, as they turn over that roster to be, have the type of skill sets that Phil Longo wants, I think you're going to see more production coming out, especially at the QB position once they get a, a QB in there. Um, and so, you know, heir apparent to Will Pauling, who probably has only one more year. I just think Kyan Barry Johnson could be a guy we look back in two years and be like, what, how did we miss this guy who's just like, eating like Josh Downs in the Phil Longo offense. Yeah, I liked his movement ability. I really thought he was a pretty good, like, manipulator at his level. Now, I knew – did you mention what state he's from? I know it's, like, from, like – Oh, shoot. It's, it's Midwest, somewhere in the Midwest, I think. Like it's Illinois, not... Illinois. Yeah. Which is not where you really go for uh, three-star studs, to be honest with you, but – No, but it's it, – so, like, seeing him manipulate these kids, though, like, I, he got the concepts. So, like, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. Like, he understood, like, all these concepts. So, uh, it's not something I, like, really, like, teach from, from like, you know, he's not a raw athlete. Like, he kind of comes in with some polish to him. So, I really do like that. And I think the Phil Longo system was a little bit of a, of a of a dud year one. So, I think year two will look a little bit better. Especially with stud Tyler Van Dyke throwing to him, bro. Tyler, <laughs> I mean, Tyler Van Dyke is coming come back. Come back baby. to her. Yeah. Dude, it should be better than uh, – the corpse of Tanner Mordecai, or Tyler, yeah. Name yeah, that was rough. Yeah, yeah, I can hop over to one of my guys here. Um, I'll talk about a guy that you also have on your list, uh, Alfred. So I think we share some like here, um, with Mizeo Bennett. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that I his athletic profile, um, initially caught my eye when I was looking through you guys' database, you know, and, and it's nothing flashy, you know, 80, 85th percentile speed. Uh, 43rd percentile burst, 50th percentile agility, 20.6 miles per hour. It's not, it's not like, like eye popping, but it's a good, like all around, um, all around athleticism. Um, and then I turned the tape on and like the first minute and a half of like his junior tape, him just manhandling dudes as a blocker. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, I was like just in love with him after that right away. Just love to see that dog. Um, he's got a nice stocky build, 5'11, 188 pounds. Uh, could be a guy that I think, you know, even gets more around like 200 pounds come draft time. He's a guy with great, great with the ball in his hands. He even took a lot of carries as a rusher in this offense. So great open field vision as well. Um, 49 carries over the past two years, actually, to be exact, for just over 550 yards and 17 touchdowns on the ground. So he's a good return threat as well. He'll provide some some of that immediate spark to get on the field early. But I think, you know, if you're looking at his profile from an overall standpoint, he is a little bit gadgety. A lot of the stuff that I watched, you know, a lot of manufactured touches, screens, quick outs, um, et cetera. But, but he did show, um, you know, some promising ability to track the ball down the field, uh, concentration, uh, not a manipulative route runner, but you know, a strong yak threat. 
And I said this before the show, but he kind of gives me like Malachi Corley, Corley vibes, like, you know, gritty, tough runner, uh, yards after the catch, might see a lot of his stuff more around the short to intermediate uh, section, you know, good quickness out of the slot. Um, he does have some plays outside too, and had some highlight plays like above the rim. So I think there's a pretty good uh, opening over at South Carolina as well. I think, you know, Jared Brown that just came over from Coastal Carolina. I do think there's a yeah, I think there there's elements of their games that overlap a little bit because they kind of play like that similar role. Um, but, you know, it's always up in the air with how a G5 transfer will exactly translate over to coming over to the power four level. I guess we want to say now I should be saying G6. I got to change that now. Uh, get more used to saying it that way. Um, but but yeah, I think he's a really nice player. And, you know, for a South Carolina team that's going to be looking for options, you know, sooner rather than later. I think he's a guy that could could come out uh, and be an easy target for the quarterback. Yeah, he's an absolute dog. I mean, you yeah. know. And, and that's one reason why I think in terms of we're talking about avoiding a year one zero, I mean, I think that could get him on the field, uh, which obviously you get on the field. That's that's where you need to be to, to start catching the passes. So yeah, I do think that attitude and that ability from outside blocking, things like that, while it won't get you fantasy points directly, I think he could be a guy who comes in and at least earns his earns some snaps. All right, let's talk about another guy that I think Corey didn't write his name down on the sheet, so I don't know if Corey is no longer a fan of Alabama commit Amari Jefferson. No, I saw you wrote him, so I was, I was going to let you take him. We already have enough overlap, I think, through our lists. So. Okay, we're all sharing. You guys were sharing. Yeah. I was like, I, I got to share a little too with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, stuck with Alabama. He could have decommitted and gone somewhere else here, but he's a four-star guy. He was named Tennessee's D2 AAA Mr. Football after amassing 1,401 yards and 20 touchdowns on 74 receptions. Uh, so he chose to go to Alabama. He had offers from Auburn, Georgia, Tennessee. I think he's a little bit more of a close-to-the-line operator, a bit of a gadget skill set, more of a slot, or is, I think he's just more of a Z. But I don't think like deep balls are more of his skill set. Again, not really much of a uh, like manipulator or like kind of like an athlete, which is what we usually like to see go to Alabama. We like to see those... Fast guys that maybe show some like flashes of quick twitch really wasn't his play style. But Nick Saban's gone, and we got Kalen DeBoer coming in, and it's kind of a barren room there. Uh, so I do think he has a shot to kind of be a better version of like the Kobe Prentice role for them, which I know is not an appealing that's not very appealing uh thing to say for Debbie, but I do think that he kind of has that in him. So he's got a nice thick build too. I believe he's like six, let me see, a six foot 200 flat. Yeah, he's he's yeah, a big uh, guy. He's big for, yeah. a, for a receiver these days. Yeah, and some opportunity there, I guess. You know, they, well, I mean, they they have some guys there that can contribute. But I mean, with Kalen DeBoer coming in there and what he's done with our receivers now, I mean, you never know if if one of these guys can just fall into a nice role in that offense. He could be a guy that kind of does something down the line. Sure. Yeah. Alfred, here's another one. Am I up next? Okay, I'm going to go with friend of the official. That is our recruiting show. So if you're listening to back to Debbie. Also, slap the official on your list and listen to that. But friend of the show, Aaron Hampton, or Bubba, is uh, is what he goes by, out of the state of Texas, was often being recruited as a DB. Uh, even when we talked to him, uh, came on the show for a little interview when he was a junior, I think, and was leaning defense, but he said he likes both. And then most of the process, I think the assumption was defense, and he was committed to Texas, and then he flipped to Alabama, and now he's listed as wide receiver on the Alabama website. So he was one of my favorite guys for a lot of the process, and then I just like was like, well, he's not going to play receiver, so I forgot about him. I went back and looked. 
top speed, not terribly mind blowing, but honestly, that one position I don't worry as much about top speed is receiver, to be totally honest with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I worry more about change of direction, short area quickness, and ability to, to throttle up, throttle down, control your speed rather than, you know, can you just run straight line fast? Uh, you know, which can be helpful, but typically that's not really associated with being a good receiver to be, to be frank. So anyway, I think Hampton's got a lot of what I just talked about, change of direction, sword area quickness, um, body control, and um, has enough top end speed to break big ones when, when it, you know, when uh, the stars line up on the field for him to do that. He was used a little gadgety in high school, you know, some some screens, stuff around the line, but he shows a lot of creativity. I mean, when he's got the ball in his hands, he's using all the tools in his in his bag, you know, stiff arm, spin moves, jukes, um, top speed, kind of everything. Like, he's just a very creative runner. Um, I think he's a very fun guy with the ball in his hand. And, and frankly, Alabama needs someone like that right now. They, after an incredible run of receivers, they have fallen on hard times. I mean, the, the receiver, they've still bring in four and five star guys, but they are not developing. They are not becoming who they should be. And that room is looking pretty sad. So I think Hampton listed as a receiver on a lot of the services, but he is listed on the Alabama website as a wide receiver. So I think you can safely say he's a wide receiver. And uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty up there for me. I mean, he's like a top 10 guy. I just, I, I don't love this class to be fair, but um, I think he could be useful and avoid year one zero. And uh, I think he's a very interesting guy, especially dynamic playmaker. He just kind of does shit when he has the ball. I did not look into him. I really didn't. I never scouted him. Um, I actually have a two-way player here too. So I'm almost, I'm going to jump over Corey here for a second. I talked a little about him last week, but I want to talk a little bit more about Aaron Butler going to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, Early on the cycle, he was my wide receiver four. He's now dropped to, I think, the 10-11 range for me. Um, he he plays both ways. He His team went two and three, so he only played five games this year because he just called it quits after that. wasn't going to go to the playoffs. His dad was the OC. But he was, like, on a tear of, like, I want to say four out of the five of his games were over 100 yards. He's got some nice, like, short area quickness to him. I think he's a little explosive, too. But he also plays, like, really tough because he does have that defensive side on him. I think he initially was a DB kind of converted wide receiver, not the other way around. Um, so he kind of does play, like, really aggressively. He just doesn't go down to first contact too easily. Has some nice extension grabs. Like, I'm talking about, like, two toes down, like, reaching out of bounds to get that nice sideline ball. Like, that's an NFL catch. Uh, so I do like a lot of what Aaron Butler shows. I was – Initially excited that he flipped from Colorado, but he ends up in Texas. And I'm kind of looking at like, there's Matthew Golden, there's Isaiah Bond, there's Jonte Cook, all three guys that can do what he does and better. So it's like tough to see like three other dudes that could have the, you know, the role that he plays, like they can do all better than him. So it's going to be tough for him to touch the field. They got to have some blowout wins, something like that. Maybe impress in spring and get some, some playing time. Um, I'm seeing conflicting different heights on him, uh, but his senior year tape has him listed as six foot one, one seventy five. I think he's probably six foot. I remember watching his junior tape; he looked kind of short too. So, um, Aaron Butler for me is like I'm, I'm kind of pounding the table. Like, this is like a guy that I think I really like outside of top twenty. Like he's probably my favorite guy outside of top twenty. 
Yeah, a Texas wide receiver room is really the big issue there. I mean, and he does have a similar build to some of these guys. He's almost like a carbon copy of like Jonte Cook size. <laughs> like, so yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if he'll be using like a different ways. He did show a lot of good downfield stuff uh, when I took a look at him. And I mean, athletic wise, I mean, in database, you guys have him twenty one point seven miles per hour, a point nine one five athleticism score. I mean, everybody's pretty high on him. So I mean, he's definitely a guy that that has the ability to make some noise. But I'm I'm worried about that year one zero with him and that Texas wide receiver room with everybody they brought in, plus the guys we are already excited for to to make a difference this year. So it, it's it's going to be tough. They're definitely going to yeah. need some kind of blowout wins or something. And I I worry too, you know, like now with how big the playoff is going to be, like are our teams going to be resorting to that as much? Are they going to want to keep putting up like huge numbers and like is every game more important as it gets down the stretch now that they're going to not want to rely on these freshmen or whatever? They want to have these big blowout wins to look better. To the committee i do want to say this too i i was thinking like maybe i'm thinking like nfl terms here but like i at work i've been watching a lot of julian edelman his show his podcast very entertaining um but he was talking about his days of going through the whole process for the draft and his agent was like look you're gonna be a late round pick maybe and he's like so we're gonna try to find a team that like they don't have something that you can do so you can stay on that roster and so they were like talked about it he's like even before the draft came around i was just like Yep, best punt returner there ever is. That's me. Sign me up. Like, that's what I'm going to do for the first two years, which is essentially <laughs> what he did. And so maybe I'm thinking, like, Aaron Butler, like, could do that while the starters aren't on that, like, high-octane, high, like, dangerous-type play. Like, maybe he can kind of do that for them to start off. But uh, also, a little fun note here. Uh, 247 has Compton to Stefan Diggs. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, Matt, uh, Matt, who was on the show last year, I think. I mean, Butler's – really high for him uh i want to say top 10 maybe higher than that like he's loved aaron butler all year i think david does too but matt has been absolutely pounding the table for aaron butler but yeah i mean the receiver room's tough but john take cook last year was eight for 136 i just looked it up he barely scraped by uh avoiding that year one zero that can be done you know all you need is a couple games with injuries and then a bowl game you know where you go for 50 and put it all together you can get over 100 total yards or something like that so yeah uh, you know the the year one zero is concerning but like it doesn't take that much that's the point it's like it's such a minimum that a lot of guys if they're even kind of good should be able to do it so uh, i don't think all hope is lost but yeah it's it's all of a sudden very crowded in texas all right, I'll head over to my second guy here. A guy that Mike, before the show, let me know that he might be a little bit higher ranked than I thought he was. But uh, <laughs> I mentioned him last week briefly. That's Zion Kearney going over to Oklahoma. When I looked at the on three industry ranking, which I thought was their weighted um, their weighted rankings with everybody's thing, like maybe they, they lower ESPN and rivals a little bit, something like that. He was ranked number 21. So I thought he was still applicable here. But apparently on 247 composite, he's ranked 17. So technically out of the boundaries here, but I wrote notes for him and everything. So I'm talking about he's him. cheating, bro. Yeah. yeah I, I, he was on my list and I said, no, nope, that's not allowed. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's hanging out with Connor Stallion. Someone stop yeah. him. <laughs> or he was like, well, Yush stick or whatever. And it's 49ers like, I didn't know that. <laughs> Or, the ball. He, te- he technically cool. told me, but if you look at the on three, he's technically within the boundaries here. All right. Oh, so boy, I'm, I'm going, all right. So Zion Kearney, 6'2", 210 pounds, 21.2 miles per hour from you guys. He ran a 10.8900 meter. So he has nice, that's a nice, ah. He has nice athleticism there for a guy who's like bigger as well, which I you know love to see. There was even a rumor that at like a t- at a TCU camp or something, he ran like a 4.3. I don't know how much I believe that. I don't think I see that either way. 
he's a big and explosive kid. Uh, profile's kind of like a true X. You got to give me some like Cedric Tillman vibes when I watch him, maybe a little more exp- on the explosive end, but good vertical wide receiver, um, a-, a nice release, good concentration down the field, like, you know, gearing down on his comeback routes that I did pretty well. He has like, th- that top end to get behind defenses, and he has like some strong hands to win uh, down the feet, uh, above the rim as well has some return ability. So that could help him contribute early as well. He's just not going to be a guy who's much of uh, an intermediate wide receiver. Like, like on his tape right now, it's like all screens and vertical routes, you know, like he's not super wiggly or, or shifty in, in the open field. Um, he wins more with like that strength and that, that athleticism right now. Um, so, so there is a raw element to his profile, um, but he has really nice, interesting traits and like a, ni- a nice baseline of traits to build upon. Um, if you think about a guy like a lot of guys are talking about in the NFL draft right now, Javon Baker um, going into the NFL draft, a lot of guys are kind of like him. That's kind of how I envision Zion projecting a little bit right now, but he still has some room to, to grow beyond that. You know, Oklahoma is a pretty well-packed room right now. Uh, they had Nick Anderson break out last year. Jalil Farouk is still around. Uh, Dion Burks is transferring in, but they're usually a pretty high-flying offense and might find some ways to get Zion on the field early, even just as like a field stretcher or something. So I'm hopeful he can break some of these things, but I just like kind of like the baseline traits here. And it's a little bit risky with a profile like this if he can develop beyond like using his athleticism, you know, like even a guy like, um, who was the Ohio State guy that's slipping my mind that was that was the number one in his class has transferred to Penn State now? Fleming. Uh, Fleming, oh, Julian Fleming, uh, yeah. Yeah. That never learned to go beyond his athletic traits. Like there is the downside to a profile like this, uh, but hopefully, you know, he can, he can figure it out at the next level. I love it. I love it. Uh, you got one more for us, Alfred. I do. And, um, you know, this is one where I struggled to really, I, I struggled to find a third when you get down, it's just hard to, and I wanted to keep him relevant as a Debbie show, not a, yeah. not a, you know, I didn't want to get down into a G five guy, some guy going to freaking Toledo. You would um, never be invited back on the show. No. <laughs> no it's just highly, highly likely that's going to be a Debbie guy at all. So um wanted to keep it at least power for conference. So Mario Craver is a guy uh, who honestly I didn't scout too terribly extensively. He's very small. Like, I mean, 5'10", I think 165. Um, but I watched him at, I think it was Under Armour Practices, uh, and his one-on-ones, I mean, he just looked like one of the better guys out there, I thought, just in terms of body control, quickness, uh, ability to change directions and get open. Um, and so he kind of stood out to me. And then since then, I've kind of been like, oh, man, Mario Craver could be a guy who I overlooked because of size and fairly limited, um, you know, offers. But going to Mississippi State, frankly, I don't know what the identity of Mississippi State is either anymore. I mean, after it's no longer – the uh, air raid, but you know, he strikes me as a pretty interesting player. I'll keep it short. I mean, I just thought I liked his movement skills and we're digging real deep here and wanted to keep it at a power five level, power four level. So uh, I just threw in that name and uh, you know, seems to have returnability potential. Um, and uh, we'll see, we'll see where he, where he lands there. All right. I'm going to skip over Corey again one more time. Cause the last one we kind of share there, Corey. But um, I'm gonna go over to uh, Florida here. Jerry Hawkins, uh, Florida. He's five foot nine. Uh, I I watched his game against uh, IM. Well, he he's from IMG Academy, but I was watching his senior game. Came out with his mom. I'll tell you what, he got his height from his mom. His mom is like not even five foot. Dude is so dude is five foot nine. He is laser fast. Uh, they actually have a like track, like a timed like laser on turf tracksuit. You know, like the NFL combine. They have him as a 4-4 flat coming out of high school. 
So already has that. He's going to Florida. I know Alfred loves that. He's a, he's a Florida Gator fan there. We need all the help we can get, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a new head coach sometime soon. We all believe in that. Praying. <laughs> but um, it's just Eugene Wilson there. And I think Hawkins brings a speed, kind of a field-stretching element that I don't really think that team has right now. And that's his path here. I usually don't go for these small little speedsters, but I usually think they're kind of a dime a dozen in the college world. But I think there's a clear path here at an SEC level kind of makes me a little bit excited here. And the fact that he was a two-square athlete at IMG is also a little bit appealing there too because that that program is like the closest thing to a pro team at the high school level. So, dry, am I saying that right? It's dry, Hawkins. So, Did you anything else to include as a Florida fan? Hmm. No. I mean, no, I, I don't. I think that's all pretty pretty much – that's it. And, and I think we need speed. We need playmakers. And you're right. After Eugene Wilson, it seems bleak. So, yeah, another guy. <laughs> Someone <laughs> else to do something. <laughs> All right. I'll go over to my last guy, a guy that Mike shares on his list as well. And a guy that I know, uh, Dwight Peoples, our resident Michigan State fan, likes as well. That's Mr. Nick Marsh going over there. And it's kind of ironic because if you think of, like, Nick Marsh and his playing style, he's almost like the next – Keon Coleman of this class like you know like he kind of shares like that kind of play style he's a he's a bully ball wide receiver 6'3 205 so he has great size and very springy guy like and times it really well too like he when he when he elevates to his highest point like he's he times that really well um great hands at, at, above the ladder above the rim as well um great concentration uh 21.1 mile per hour as well uh, and he's a, he's a young guy too Alfred talked about that at the beginning that you want to see guys sub 18 uh, years of age he's 17.3 uh age at national signing day according to your guys database so very young there uh has some returnability as well took some rushes as well so there's a lot of a, a lot of tr- a lot of tools to play with there at the next level for a guy who um is more of like your bully ball type wide receiver but can add some other versatility uh versatile elements to your offense as well um you know, he, he, there's not a lot of manipulation within his routes right now. There's not a release package. There's a lot of things that I think he still needs to work on to become uh, that bully ball wide receiver that that he's going to have to be at the next level. But there's a nice foundation of traits there, I think, with him that that, that could elevate his game uh, and maybe become an NFL, hopefully, next level. And again, going over to Michigan State, they don't really have a lot of guys right now. They're kind of rebuilding completely over there with, you know, Dean Childs coming over there, new head coach, new system coming in. He could tie himself to a young guy like Nick Marsh. Maybe he's a freshman breakout kind of like deeper in the thing because he's a kind of skill set that I think could exceed at the college level. I think there is a little bit of worry there at the, at the NFL level with his type of play style, but I think he's somebody who could succeed a lot at the end at the, uh, college level. So maybe, maybe there's potential there for a year one breakout. Uh, I think it's a good call. And I liked him initially for a big guy. He moved really well was, was one of the first things I saw on tape. Yeah. All right, well, let's get a little bit deeper. We're just going to go one name each here. So I mentioned earlier, your one zero theory cuts off at the 300 overall. And I know it's on Austin's docket to explore the deeper uncharted waters of how important is freshman involvement, even outside the top 300 recruits, talking about the deeper names here. And there are always some nice three stars in the NFL draft each year. Last year, we had Zay Flowers. The year before that, we had Chris Olave. There are, uh, I think, Justin, Justin Jefferson, a three star as well, too. Like, there are some, like, three stars. Yeah. Uh, he tested, like, a walk. He was, like, a walking tree man in his testing uh, when he came out. It's crazy to actually see the transformation from him. If anybody wants to see something interesting, go look at his testing results as, as, a, as a freshman. It's, like, 4.88, 40, and, like, stuff. Like, it's brutal. Yeah, so it, there are three stars that like are just studs in the NFL. So like last year's three stars, I think are like the most prominent are like 
Uh, Kevin Concepcion from NC State. You got Tyler Brown from from Clemson. Eric Singleton from Georgia Tech. And then Jace Brown from Kansas State. And we didn't mention one of those four guys in the show last year, but we're going to do it this year. Boys, we're going to do it this year. We're going to name the studs <laughs> this year. I'm, I'm going to start off. You know, no, I'm be selfish. I'm going to start off myself first. And I thought about this one long and hard. And I, I, I almost gave up. But I asked myself, what Power 5 teams have established passing cores, or sorry, passing quarterbacks just has, but like doesn't have options to throw to. So I'm looking at opportunity plus an established system. And I settled upon LSU. I don't know who they're throwing to over there. And I didn't really like the two LSU guys that were already four stars. So I went a little deeper to their athlete, who's a two-way player. That's Michael Turner, who was recruit number 388, a three-star. I'm about to pull up his name. But anyway, originally was thought as possibly as a safety, but I believe he's playing wide receiver for them. He's listed that for them. He's a rail. He's like six foot one, 150. I was watching a little bit before the show just to remind myself about who he was as a person. He's got like he's slippery. Like he's not elusive. He's slippery. And I kind of like that out of him too. Like he's definitely using his off arm. He's just kind of a rail. But I'm I'm looking at LS the, the real answer for freshmen to look at for LSU is whoever gets the spring buzz. So if your drafts are a little bit later, just go for the spring buzz guy. But I'm telling you, my eyes are on Michael Turner. And I hope he he turns it on for them. I think last year they led us astray with uh, Shelton Sampson, didn't they? They were telling us he was getting first team reps. And, yeah, dude, the B reports. Uh, you're right, dude. We can't yeah. trust the B reports. <laughs> yeah, they killed us last year. <laughs> I think he and I and I did like him. I thought he was a yeah. good route runner for his size, and I think he was a zero after yeah. all. Said, um, Never touched the field. Uh, I knew we were in trouble when the B reporters were like, "Yeah, he's just like Terrence Terrence Marshall," and I was like, "All right, we're done." Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not good. Um, all right, I'll jump in there. I'm going to go Brandon Phelps. This is way down the list. He's just been a guy I liked the whole process. Uh, headed to uh, Arizona, which yes. I, thought, I thought Arizona might fall apart completely when Jed Fish went to Washington. But so far, Fafita's still there. McMillan's still there. Like that offense is not... Uh, crumbling they didn't all go to Washington so um, you know the depth chart isn't quite as wide open as I thought it might be but he's 6'3 190 he's a bigger guy he is thick um, and you know I'll like the he just looks like he knows how to play receiver I mean he can get open he does show uh, a, a little more advanced route, route running than sometimes you see where these guys are literally just screens or deep bombs like he does make some other catches and he does make some truly eye popping, like acrobatic type one handed stuff occasionally. And he's got requisite speed, six, three approaching 200 pounds. Um, I did think the depth chart might be a little bit more thin when I first had my eye on him, but you know, if he's good enough, he'll be able to make it happen. And it, by the way, I don't have it off the top of my head, but his uh, production in high school is obscene. I mean, like, might have been over 3,000 yards in his final two seasons receiving and like 40 touchdowns or something. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous uh, high school production, which sometimes these guys get overlooked, even though they're just destroying people in high school. Like they just don't get propped up in the services. And then they go to college like Puka Nakwa. That guy had like 2,000 receiving yards as a senior 
still wound up uh i forgot where he went first uh then ended up at byu and now he went to washington, washington but he was a guy who was just obscene in high school and like you know kind of just didn't do much for a while but the talent's there and phelps just an interesting guy to me if you want to go real deep I do have his stats here. He had 84 receptions for 1,670 yards and 17 touchdowns this year. And last year, his junior year, 97 receptions for 1,710 yards and 28 touchdowns. But yeah, his touchdowns over an entire varsity career, 61 and like 5,000 yards receiving. And by the way, uh, I think Puka's high school stats even make that look weak. Like Puka was insane. But anyway, yeah, so Brandon Phelps, interesting guy. All right, I'll head over to my guy here, number 522 nationally in the 247 composite. That's Trey Griffiths going over to Oklahoma State. And I can't even take full credit for this one because I actually have to give credit to Alfred and your podcast, The Official. I'll plug that here again. That is where I first heard his name, I believe, being spoken by Matt. Yeah, so he just briefly brought him up. And, and, you know, I liked what I saw when I looked into him. Again, 6'3", 205, track athlete, Texas 6A competition, like triple jumps, hurdles, long jumps, sprints, like all the stuff you want to see from a competitive angle. Like this guy was competing in everything. And the first guy, that first thing that really jumps off the screen with him is – despite that size, like how fluid he is for a bigger guy, like like a, a good hip sync, uh, promising yak ability on screens, like routinely makes the first defenders miss even, like just really promising movement skills for his length, 21.9 miles per hour by our uh, recruiting team, which one of the higher numbers for wide receivers in this class, 82 percentile burst, uh, does a pretty good job getting back up to speed, just a natural athlete. And, you know, when, when you see traits like that, it's hard not to buy in a little bit, at least for when you're going deeper, like you're either buying in on opportunity or you're buying in on traits, right? And that's something that this guy has, um, you know, interesting release package where he probably does a little bit too much at times, like plays with tempo. You'll see him like high step sometimes, like slow down and like do all these weird things, but the intent is there and he's creative which is one thing I like. I think that that, that bodes well for development going on. Um, quarterback play was just like awful his senior season. Like ball placement was like all over the place, uh, but it did give some opportunity to see him like adjust to some poor throws, uh, underthrown balls, um, showing the good concentration to adjust to those. But it made me want to go back and look to his junior and sophomore team because he really didn't get enough plays like to see his, his talent above the rim like I wanted to see because that quarterback just really wasn't doing it well. Well, he had a different guy in his junior and sophomore tape that did a really b- a lot better job affording him those opportunities. And I thought I saw really good attacking the ball, really good abilities at the catch point, track the ball well. Like watching it, watching his tape, just a, a, a size speed combo. I thought gave me some shades of like even like a Devontae Walker. Like I'm relating everything to like this rookie class because those are the guys we're looking at so much. But again, just kind of a vertical, a vertical guy, offers a bit after the catch as well. The one troubling thing I would say is, you know, like I said, we're looking for opportunity or we're looking at traits. The opportunity might not fully be here with him at Oklahoma State, returning his top their top two receivers from a year ago, getting back a, a healthy Deshaun Stribling, who I've, I've talked about before. It's kind of like a little bit of a sleeper for me, but it, it, he only had like four games this year before getting injured. So there's some things that, that might have to happen for him to really get an opportunity to do something. But I kind of came away just thinking he was really impressive as like, as like a flanker or an X-type at the next level. And, you know, with athletic traits like this, you know, it's kind of like, unfortunately, betting on like the Cordell uh, Russells and the the Tayshon Lions, the guys who have like high athletic traits that hopefully can figure it out at the next level. But again, like you were saying, Alfred, like sometimes these guys just don't put it together. So that's kind of the downside of the profile. But when you're looking this deep, I like a lot of what I'm seeing. Love it. Let's get over to the running backs, gentlemen. So we got spoiled like two years ago with like Quinshawn Judkins at the three star. 
Um, this last year, we got Awusama. I'm pretty pumped about him. Darius Taylor's going to talk about. Um, there's some sickos out there that are into Jaheim White as far as like Debbie <laughs> goes. But, you know, um, so I want to ask Alfred, like overall, like how's this year's three-star running back class? The king of three stars. This class overall just seems lousy uh, in terms of yeah. guys that you can really get behind. Um, and so I would say that, yeah, compared to recent history, I'm not excited about very many. Uh, there are a few three stars that I do like. And we'll talk about them today. But uh, in general, I would say the running back class, the, the top end is, is weaker and, you know, just goes downhill from there. Now, the caveat there is, like I said, this is a very hard game. This could be the year where we have like 10 guys who pop and just like, well, I didn't see it coming. But um, yeah, I would say it's a weaker class overall. And that goes for all the tiers from top, you know, kind of all the way down. Now we did. I, I told him not to pick anybody inside the top 20. And just so everyone knows the, in the composite between like RB20 and RB35, that's like 0. 0.905 and 0. 0.89. Like it's, they're all in there. So it's a lot of super low four stars, but we kind of came together, kind of made like a joint list. So we're going to start off with a guy that me and Corey talked about last week, but I wanted Alfred to talk a little bit more in depth and lead us off on this one with David, uh, death, excuse me, David, it's getting late. <laughs> David Eziomume going to Clemson. Yeah, it is past my bedtime. Uh, yeah, so David Eziomume, one of my favorite running backs in the class and really has been the entire process. And I know Austin was on board with me. He had a really tough start to his senior season. He hadn't really ever been a true bell cow. I think he had a very strong finish and really erased some issues that we were concerned about. But he's going to Clemson. He's good size, over 200 pounds already. He has good enough straight line speed. I'd have to remind myself exactly what it is, but it's certainly good enough where you're not worried about it. And he just is like some of his parts, I think, uh, maybe great, or the whole is maybe greater than the sum of his parts. I think he's good at a lot of stuff. And um, I think he shows good shiftiness, uh, decent vision. He's a very good receiver. And he's just a versatile guy. Like he was used a little bit as an H back in high school. Like he would kind of scoot around the line of scrimmage and then even like block off the edge uh, as kind of a tight and move tight end. A lot of good receiving work, downfield receiving work. Um, so he is not just a screen pass kind of guy. He can be a difference maker in the receiving game. Um, so I'm excited to see how Clemson's going to use him, you know, and I think with, with Will Shipley gone, there's some room in there for at least a pass catching back right away. And I just think he's got the size. He's got a three down skill set potentially, at least with the receiving work. I can't really speak to his pass blocking ability right now, but um, I think he's uh, a good overall back and certainly should be ranked higher than what he is right now, in my opinion. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Actually, I didn't look at his rankings before I started watching him, and then I saw him at like RB19 for the composite. That's the composite. No, 20 on the dot for the composite, and I was 22. Excuse me, 22, and I was like, that's not, that's too low. Let's head it over to um, Johan Cardenas, who we didn't talk about last week, me and Corey. He's going to Vandy, and it's kind of, Kind of odd to be talking about a Vandy running back here that wasn't Ray Davis, but Vandy's like a revolving door of freshman talent because everyone kind of like pops and they transfer up. You know what I'm saying? Like their wide receivers all lead, they all transfer away. Um, but Johan Cardenas is listed at six foot, 215 pounds. 
RB39 the composite, and I think that's just a travesty. Uh, Corey, do you have anything to say about Johan Cardenas? Yeah, like he's a guy that I dove super deep into, but I did toss on the tape. And, you know, I, I, and looking at some of his backstory, too, I mean, this was a guy who had an ECL tear back in, like, 2022. So there's some room still there for, like, for what you think of him now. Like, we see a lot of these guys, Ray Davis, Marshawn Lloyd, continue to get better the further they get away from that ECL tear that they initially had, especially at the high school level. Like, you don't know what recovery process he had or what what resources he had available to him to recover so there's still a lot of room there for him to progress and still a pretty nice athletic profile like six foot two fifteen twenty one point two miles per hour you guys have him with a 97th percentile power rating as well 80th percentile burst i mean he has a lot here going for him i mean i don't love the landing spot going over to vanderbilt but there's a lot of raw traits here to be excited about all right, that's me opening up Max Preps, the absolute worst in terms of pop-ups. The ads are right away. They're instantly in your face. Yeah, yeah. So what I wanted what I wanted to say is he ran for over 2,000 yards as a senior. His high school – and and 2,000 yards as a senior and nine yards of – over nine yards of pop, almost 10 yards per carry, guys. Like, that is volume and efficiency. And I'll tell you, he reminds me a little bit of a guy we mentioned earlier, Damian Martinez, who was – you know, six feet, 220 pounds, hit your 21 miles per hour, uh, looked good as a runner out of the state of Texas and went to a fairly low level, you know, college program in Oregon State and showed up on campus and immediately in spring, everyone's like, oh shit, Damon Martinez is a dude. He was getting starting carries as a right away in spring, carried over into the fall. Uh, and Cardenas, could do it would not shock me at all like if he shows up on Vanderbilt I was like oh he's a dude like right away uh because production is there he's 215 pounds already like you said the athletic profile is there the max miles per hour is there the power is there his weightlifting numbers are really good he's checking virtually every box and then the final cherry on top is if you do this long enough you realize Vanderbilt finds athletic dudes they do it all the time in fact if Vanderbilt offers a Vanderbilt offer is like a green flag for us. And a lot of times they don't actually get to sign those guys because eventually through the process, some other team comes, a bigger name team comes and selects them out. But like if a guy is trending towards Vandy, we automatically are taking a look at a skill position because they know how to scout the testing numbers and to find elite athletes that are under the radar. So Cardenas, I mean, as much as you can get excited about a guy going to Vandy, He's the guy. I mean, he's the guy to get excited about. <laughs> Honestly, the one thing that does pull me back in is like a Vandy running back. I mean, really? But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Alfred, were, were you guys high on uh, Alexander last year? Cedric Alexander that went over to Vandy last year. As well? Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, I wasn't as much, but I think Dave and uh, Matt do like him. Uh, yeah. And so I don't think it's going to be like thirty carries a game for Cardenas. But I mean, he's a bigger dude. I think he could. You could handle it. It'll be a rotation. I mean, I think he's. I think he has everything that you would want to get in some rotation uh, right away uh, at Vandy. Because at worst, what he's probably the second best running back on the team. Yeah, worst case scenario. And I really did love his tape, and I didn't want to get cute and like put him up too high. But like, it's one of those dudes where you're like, man, if he went to like, I don't know, name a school that has opportunity, like Miami, you know, like we would have been like, oh, this guy's awesome. Yeah, so I think uh, the only uh, the last guy that we haven't yeah. really talked about that's ranked like kind of like in the top, whatever fifteen or twenty for you guys here at the running back. How, how where's Cardenas number like seven for you guys? I think so. Like yeah, well, but Mr. Kewan Lacey going over to Missouri. 
I think. You know, when I when I turned on his tape, Matt, the first thing I thought of right away was Isaiah Pacheco. The dude just like runs hard, high motor guy, like kind of like pretty agile in like short spaces, like you know, quick cuts, like weaving through traffic. But it's just like the, the running hard. There's there's a lack of patience there that I want to see him kind of like develop for himself because like that's kind of something that Pacheco is missing too. But that just came to my mind right away. And you know, good good profile, 5'11", 196 pounds, twenty one point five miles per hour. You guys have him credited as quite an athlete, pretty young guy too. So he's a guy that I'm a little bit excited about and seeing you know, what Missouri keeps doing with running backs, at least being productive uh, on that side and getting some of them to the NFL. I mean, they're not really making a huge impact at the NFL level so far, but we'll, we'll see what can happen with other guys coming out of here. But I was kind of, kind of, his tape caught my eye a little bit. I was kind of excited about him. Especially when the top end guys like we've talked about in this class just don't, they just don't move me. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, I really do like Lacey. I think everything you said sounds good to me. I would add in receiving chops. I mean, he can get, he can catch the ball downfield. He can do stuff um, uh, as a receiver that I don't think Pacheco has ever really done. And he's just so fun. I mean, there, you know, within the first couple of clips of Kiwan Lacey, he's like running into the end zone, giving a peace sign to the defender as he trails him. Like he's hmm. got some funk. He's got some attitude. He runs like it. Uh, he's he's got power. He's got speed. He's got a lot of different moves he'll use. Um, you know, kind of spin moves, jukes, throttling up, throttling down. He he's a very fun fun player. And like you said, he was originally I think going to go. Missouri was not where he was trending for a while. It was like a lower school. And then when he went to Missouri, I'm like, all right, game on. Like like yeah. you said, I mean, their 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 offense looks nice. And I think that depth chart's open for early production. And, you know, we want to see it early, especially in Debbie or anything. Like, you just want to be able to know, like, do I hold or do I just cut and recycle in the next class? So I like the fact that, you know, these guys, there is value in seeing them on the field early, even if it's bad production, because at least you know. Yeah. I mean, I guess we are getting a little bit long in a tooth here for this episode here. I will just like briefly mention some guy. We, we mentioned Kentucky. I, our running back is my favorite position to scout sometimes. So I like, I, I, tend, I look a little bit more than I have looked at wide receivers, but Jason Patterson, the guy going over to Kentucky, I kind of like a little bit, uh, five, 10, two and three pounds, basketball player, 91 percentile agility, huge junior season, like 27. Like I think he led the state of Florida in rushing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure as, yeah. as a junior, yeah, 2,700 yards, uh, 35 touchdowns. And then it, it went down in senior year but they asked him to play quarterback wildcat quarterback they were asking him to be a full-time linebacker as well so very like multiple position versatility as well but he wants to be a rusher you know and he even said he was quoted one time i know i can catch the ball because we didn't see it a lot because he was playing all those different roles but he's like I-, I caught shotgun snaps for like all of my senior season i know i can catch the ball so <laughs> he thinks that that kind of correlates for him or whatever but yeah again very hard runner so I-, I i like that guy going over there but another guy we talked about before the show uh, was a guy you liked a little bit as well, Alfred, Alfred, is Matthew Fuller going over to South Carolina. A guy that kind of popped on for me as well, 5'10", 205, 21.5 miles per hour, um, uh, 10.7900 meters as well. So you're seeing a lot of that tra- uh, translate as well. Uh, what do you kind of like about Matthew Fuller going over to South Carolina? Yeah, so Fuller, I think it was a little higher on originally. Um, when I wrote him up for the freshman guide, um, he, he kind of tapped down a little bit. I think he's limited in terms of um, – you know, kind of maybe a two down power back more than a full blown like workhorse three three down do it all guy. But you know, he's mm-hmm. got like two ten. I want to say two ten pounds. Uh, you know, hits twenty one miles an hour. I think, which like again, I keep saying that over and over. But for anyone who's listening, like 
if you're using some of our database or you're doing it on your own, 210, 20 miles, 21 miles an hour is a, is a great threshold to have. And I would say if it's like less than that, start getting a little worried about the fact that you found some gem uh, because I would at least try to get there. But he's a, he's a beast. I think him and Bennett like really are just so South Carolina to me. We talked about yeah. Mizzou Bennett. Just like going to get their hands dirty, tough runner uh, between the tackles should be really good. And then he does have enough long speed to break big ones. I also wanted to just mention again, Jason Patterson. He also flirts with 22 miles per hour max speed, which you are talking about elite max speed, like yeah. 99 yard potential on any given run. So uh, very fun guy. We need to thank Alfred for coming on. I already moved him up. He's tier two founder for me. All right. Just, you know, give us a raise or whatever. Oh. <laughs> he's, right, he's, he's looking good with those glasses, but he's also looked like he's about to like give me an IPA that he's brewed in his garage from like sawdust for like three months. So. He's about to get, he's about to get mad at us for how long you're keeping him up past his bedtime. So hurry That's up and wrap true. the show up. <laughs> Guys from Alfred, from Mike and from Corey. Good night and good luck. Good luck.